You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. places where it's talked about every time that we meet and gather. There are some places that like to do that. Uh, But I'm not afraid and I'm not ashamed and I'm not awkward in the least little bit about talking about God's prosperity for his people. I just don't believe that it's always you give this dollar and you're going to get so many other dollars back. Uh, that sounds more like a lottery kind of a thing. And, and, uh, but God does say this in his word, that if you give, he will bless you. Amen. How many of you can agree with that? Yes. If we are givers, he will bless us in our giving. Amen. So today is one of those days that I'm going to talk about money because we're going to have a very special offering at the end of this service. Amen. And so I'm, the title of the message this morning is Why We Bring Tithes and Offerings to God's House. Why We Bring Tithes and Offerings to God's House. Now, maybe everybody here can, uh, can say totally and completely, uh, answer those two things, why we bring tithes and why we bring offerings. But there are some people who uh, do not understand, yet maybe they even give tithes on a regular basis, but they don't even know uh, just exactly uh, what the scripture has to say about it. So we're going to just look at that a little bit this morning, okay? Uh, Let's pray over the word as we get started this morning. Lord, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to praise and worship you as we have thus far in this service. And Lord God, we thank you for your holy word. It gives light unto us. It lights up our path. It shows us the way to to go and the way to follow after the righteousness of our Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you that you strengthen us from day to day and you cause us to walk uprightly before you. We thank you that your promises are all yes and amen. You are not a man that you should lie. You do not vacillate over your promises to us. And so, Lord, as we look at them this morning, Uh, Help us to be encouraged to be the great givers that you've called us to be. Your church should be the most giving people in all of the earth. And I believe that it is, Lord. I believe that your church is. Put up against any other organization. It's your church who outgives all of them. And in Jesus' name, we thank you that we can be a part of that today. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So first of all, what is a tithe? The word tithe comes from a Hebrew word which simply means a tenth. And under the Mosaic law, tithing was mandatory. It was commanded. The Israelites were uh, obligated to give tithes, plural. Tithes, plural. Not just a tithe. 
because it wasn't just about uh, a general kind of a tithe because there were several things that they were to tithe from, which would really be more like 25% of their yearly income. Now, sometimes people complain about 10% in this day and age. Can you imagine that? 25% they had to give. Let me just get, read you a couple of Old Testament scriptures now that, that speak to that. Uh, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And it says, In all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed, that was a type of tithing that they had to bring, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit, that was another type of tithing, of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. In other words, it, it belonged to the Lord. Leviticus uh, 27, 32, just a couple of verses down, it says, and concerning the tithe of the herd, because they all had flocks and herds back then, that was a part of their living, and uh, uh, so it says, and concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passes under the rod, because they had count, they kept count of their uh, sheep and goats, and it says, whatever, whatsoever passes under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. So out of every ten sheep that uh, they counted, one of those was holy unto the Lord. It was a tithe. So out of all of the different tithes that they had to bring before the Lord, uh, People have uh, calculated, and I haven't done it personally. I'm going by other uh, uh, scholars that have done the work on that one. But they say that it could, uh, it could actually be in the area of 25%. Amen. So the purpose of the tithe was to support the ministers and the ministries of God's house. Then the ministers were to tithe, were to tithe as well from what they received from the people. So I don't just stand up here as a minister of the gospel and instruct you in tithings and in offerings and then not do it myself. I'm paid by the tithes and the offerings of the people of this house. That's how my household is supported. But I also tithe from what I receive. And so that's the way it was structured in the Old Testament under commandments and under the law. We, we understand we're talking about Old Testament right here. <clears throat> but it was to support the ministers in the ministries of God's house. Uh, Numbers chapter 18, verse 26. It says, thus speak to the Levites. Now those were the ministers. Thus speak unto the Levites and say unto them, When you take of the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall offer up and heave offering of it for the Lord, even a tenth part of that tithe. So it was an obligation on the ministers as well as God's people. Uh, so... God wanted his house to be sustained financially uh, through the tithing system. He set that up. He established that. And he got very upset. The Lord God got very upset when his people didn't do what he commanded them to do. 
uh, when they did not do right in this area, the Lord rebuked them. And we do know the classic uh, uh, passage of scripture from Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 6 through 12, what the Lord said to the people of Israel when they were not doing right. They were not following after the Lord, and they certainly were not serving him from their hearts, and they held off from tithing unto the Lord. And so he says in verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. In other words, I've got a covenant with you. I haven't just wiped you off the face of the map yet. Uh, but he says, even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said... This is God speaking to them through the prophet. But you said, wherein shall we return? In other words, that statement was saying, what do you mean return? We've never left you. That was their attitude. That was what they were thinking. But God made very clear that they had left him and left off his ordinances and his commandments. So they said, wherein shall we return? And then he responds and he says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? Again, they ask, well, we never left you. What do you mean return? We've never left you. And then they said, well, what do you mean rob you? Where, where have we robbed you? And he said, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So God, again, established the tithes and offerings, the tithes especially as we just covered, for the ministry and for the ministries of the house, for the ministers and the ministries of his house. And so he says, I'll bring to you, if you begin to obey me again, I'll open you windows in heaven and pour out blessing upon you that you cannot even receive. Verse 11 says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. What a, what a blessing and what a promise God gave to his people. So they, they, they were cursed for not tithing, and there was a promise of blessing for tithing. It's clearly seen right there. Now, a lot of times people say, uh, you know, but that was the Old Testament. You're just talking about the Old Testament, and that's, that was under the law. And there are people who uh, justify not supporting God's work with 10% of their income based on the fact that we are no longer under the law. And they say the New Testament doesn't even mention tithing. Well, it is true we are not under the law any longer because Jesus took the law to the cross. And that's the ceremonial law, and tithing was a part of that ceremonial law. And it, so it, it's true that we're not under the law any longer since Christ died on the cross for us, but the New Testament does, in fact, teach us about tithing. 
So they are, they're half right, but they're half wrong. Amen? So, uh, and, it, and it shows that the principle of tithing preceded the law by 430 years under Abraham. Because the, the first mention of tithing is not under Moses and the law. The first mention of tithing had to do with Abraham's life. Amen. So we're going to look at tithing under Abraham and what the New Testament teaches us about our, our relationship to him. So Abraham lived 430 years before the law, and he was a tither. He's the first tither that we actually read of. Genesis chapter 14, verse 16 through 20. And it says, and he brought back all the goods. Now, uh, Abraham had to go and, and uh, fight a battle to get Lot, his nephew, and to, and to recover him and the women and children or whoever these enemies had taken uh, captive. So Abraham went to war. He actually was a warrior. A lot of times people just kind of forget this about Abraham, but he, he went to war and he brought them back. And so this is uh, right after that. <clears throat> and it says, and he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. And verse 19 says, And he blessed him, he blessed Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed is the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, Abraham, gave him tithes of all. So he gave him a tenth of all of the spoils that he took from the war, who did he give it to? The man of God, the priest that represented Almighty God. And so he gave him of the tithe of everything there. Now this was not a legalistic obligation, but a voluntary tithe. There was no commandment that Abraham had to do this prior to this. He did it willingly from his heart. Everybody say willingly. willingly. From, his heart. from his heart. That's how he gave. Amen. And this was a practice instilled in his children after him. Now, we don't read anything about Isaac necessarily tithing, but we do read about Isaac's son, Jacob, tithing. And so it, it's, uh, it's safe to assume that it was just handed down from generation to generation. So we're talking two generations after uh, Abraham. And it says in Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 and through 22, it says, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, 
and of all that thou shalt give me, I will give, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So here is Jacob. He's doing the same thing. Did God command him to do this? No. He gave it willingly. He gave it voluntarily. He gave it from his heart. Amen? And I believe that he learned that uh, from Grandpa Abraham. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and it was passed down to him from Isaac. Amen. So, uh, so what does any of this have to do with the New Testament? I said that it is true when people say we're no longer under the law. That is true. We are New Testament believers. And then those same people will say the New Testament doesn't deal with tithing. They're wrong. It definitely does deal with tithing. And I could give other scriptures as well, but we just have a couple today that we're going to look at. Number one is Romans chapter 4, verse 12. Because we're talking about why we worship God with tithes and offerings. Tithe means what? Tenth. We know that the tithes were commanded under the law. We know that we are no longer under the law. So Abraham was before ever there was a law. Okay? So Romans 4.12 says, And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only. It's talking about Abraham here. He is the father of the circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only. So he's talking about the Jewish people. Whenever circumcision is being spoken about, it is talking about the Israelites. And so he says, not only was Abraham the father of the circumcised or the Israelites only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Abraham wasn't circumcised. <laughs> that came later. Amen. So in the New Testament, we know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. But Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, that seed that was promised through Abraham opened up the door of salvation to all of us today. And we have been grafted into the vine of God and we've been grafted in to be the children of the living God. Amen. We didn't have to be circumcised physically. We have a circumcision of our hearts. Amen. And uh, so God has put a, a new heart in us. And yet we follow after Christ. We follow his footsteps. We follow his teachings. But in the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul also spoke of Abraham. And he says, those, the children of God are not just the Israelites through circumcision, but those who walk in faith, the same faith as our father Abraham. Amen. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Are you a child of Abraham today? Yes, yes through faith you are. You may not be a Jewish person by your bloodline, but you are children of faith 
because you've placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who was that seed who came from Abraham, da, 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 all the way back like I just said a minute ago. Amen, and that's us. Galatians 3.29, that same chapter, a few verses down. And Paul says this, and if you be Christ's, in other words, if you belong to Christ, if you are the church of Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, you see, we are not following after the law when we tithe. Amen? We're, we're not following after the footsteps of Moses and the law, as some would point a finger and say, oh no, that's just legalism, that's just the law. Jesus did away with the law. No, we're not following after the law. We're following after our father Abraham in faith, in the same kind of faith that he did. He did it voluntarily. He did it willingly. Amen. In our membership, we, we have uh, that we will, uh, we will bring of our voluntary tithes and offerings to support this church. Voluntarily. We, we do it voluntarily. We do it out of love. We do it out of a willingness of our hearts to do that. It's not out of bondage. It's not out of legalism of the law. We are following the footsteps of Abraham, who is the father of our faith. Amen. And let me just point out a couple of things. Number one, as I've already declared, it has nothing to do with the law. It has nothing to do with legalism. It has nothing to do with trying to appease God. If you bring your tithes in here on a Sunday morning thinking that you're going to appease God for some reason, it's not, that's not what he set up in his, in his word and in, in the New Testament. We, it is an act of our worship. It is an act of love to the Lord and to support and to, and to believe what his word says. Amen. It has nothing to do with adding one thing to our salvation. You can't add to our salvation. If you are already the righteousness of God in Christ, tithing doesn't make you more of the righteousness of God in Christ. It may bring you into uh, a holy relationship with the Lord because out of love you serve him and love him. Amen. And the closer that you get to the Lord, uh, the more you're going to look like him. And I'm not talking about him as a spirit being, but I'm talking about his attributes of love, of kindness, uh, you know, of wisdom, of grace. Those are the attributes of our God. And those are the things that are being built in us and the fruit that we bear as we follow the Lord and as we grow in Christ and as we grow in grace. Amen? Uh, and I hope that all of us are doing exactly that. We're growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, as Peter says. Amen. But it has to do with honoring God with which he has entrusted us with, with that which he has entrusted us with. So we're stewards of what God has given to us. It doesn't belong to us. God says this in his word. All of the silver is his. All of the gold belongs to him. So that means all of the substance in the earth that we accumulate, it's not yours. 
What do you mean it's not mine? I mean, I had an uncle that would fight you tooth and nail on that one. And he, he went round and round with my dad. He said, this is my God, holding up his dollar bills. This is my God. God didn't give me this. God didn't make this for me. I, I worked for this. And that's the attitude of a lot of people. And money becomes their God. And material goods become their God. And they are worshipers of stuff. And we're not to be worshipers of stuff. God didn't make us that way. He made us to be worshipers, but to be worshipers of him. And so everything that is in this earth belongs to the Lord. So that way there, uh, you know, when we look at the things that we have, and I use that word, that term loosely, the things we have, in other words, the things we have in our possession, if we look at them as belonging only to me, then you ain't getting none of it. And neither is he. Because it's mine. Kind of like a little kid. You know, you know, that's one of the first things that you got to break little ones of a habit of. Isn't it true? Because the human nature says, mine. Mine. And that's exactly what a lot of people do with their stuff. It's mine. It's so much easier. And this would be true in just our lives. If, if, if I had $10,000 right now, and I said, Ronnie, here's $10,000. I want you, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I want you to just go out and spend that on anything you want to and just have a good time doing it. She would not have a problem with spending that $10,000. It would freely course through her hands. Now, if I said, Ronnie, that $10,000 that you have in the bank, now she's going to give and go, wait a minute. I'm not just picking on Ronnie. This is all of us. I'm just saying it's easier to give away someone else's money. And if you understand that what you have belongs to God, it gets a whole lot easier to let it go. Right? Yeah, God said, hey, it's all yours. You know, I, I put this in, in your life, and I, I expect you to be a good steward with what I've given to you. Go ahead. Use it freely. Don't forget where you got it from. Don't forget to honor me with the first fruits of all of that. Amen. Because the proverb says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your increase and so shall your barns be filled. Amen. Well, that's Old Testament too. But we haven't just thrown all of the proverbs out the window, have we? <laughs> no way. And so that's a proverb that teaches us that, the, you know, honor the Lord with the first fruits. Don't give him the leftovers. Amen. And so uh, it also has to do with our worship of him. When we give in this offering basket, when we stand before uh, you and the ushers uh, receive the offering in these little baskets uh, or whatever church you may be in and they, it's a collection plate or whatever, uh, it's not just a donation. And I always try to remind us from time to time, it's not just a donation. You're not just donating you're not donating to the church over here, donating here and donating there. That's what you do to, with Jerry's kids or whatever other organizations 
raise money out there. You give a donation. But when we come into God's house and we bring tithes and offerings before the Lord, it is our spiritual worship of our God. It's letting him know that we believe that everything that we do have has come to us from him. And it's also letting him know that we have enough faith to believe him for tomorrow. Because fear is what keeps a lot of people from giving. They're fearful that if they give this, they're not going to have enough. Amen? Have you ever been in that situation where you're actually looking at your bills and looking at your tithe and you're wondering, hmm, sure would be a whole lot easier to just hang on to this tithe for a minute or two. Maybe I'll give it next week. No, it's the first fruits. Give it first. And let the other things, let the Lord take care of those other things. And he will do that because we're honoring him. So when, when those guys stood before us a few minutes ago, we put that money into that basket as our tithes before the Lord. We're saying, thank you, Lord, for what we have up until this point in time. Thank you, Lord, for what we always shall have because you're, my, you're our provider. Amen. So <clears throat> it also has to do with the importance that we put upon God, his kingdom, and his local church. Sad to say, a lot of people are not putting much stock. <laughs> That's a funny word to use as I'm speaking of money here. In the local churches today, people are abandoning church. People are leaving the church. Now, thank God that there are many people coming into the church as well, so we, you know, it's a... Uh, you know, give and take kind of a situation, I guess you could say. But uh, our, our spiritual worship, our tithing and our offerings has to do with the importance that we place upon God himself, number one, and upon his kingdom in the works of his kingdom and upon his local church. Even in the Old Testament under that law, God knew that those ministers needed to be supported. So he set up that system for that purpose. Amen. And in the local church, we don't have a commandment that we must tithe, but we have instruction, we have principle, the principle of the tithe. We, we're not commanded to worship on Sundays in the New Testament, but the principle of the, of the Sabbath is taught in the New Testament, and we should take at least one in seven days to come before the Lord with our families and worship together. It's always been a part of the worship of God's people. But people are getting away from it today because they're not placing the proper importance upon it. So <clears throat> our giving has to do with our worship. Our giving has to do with honoring our God and his kingdom. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that you have need of will be added unto you. So God first, amen. Are you in agreement? Amen. Let's all say God first. God first. God first. Say it like you mean it. God first. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I personally believe that tithing or the giving of the first tenth of our income is a reasonable amount for the believer to start in his giving. I don't think it's an end all. I think it's a good place to start as believers. And if we get that mentality uh, and, and we get that in our heart and that, that is a part of who we are, then we don't have to deal with the temptation of not doing that. 
and we don't have to get into uh, a spiritual rut of not honoring the Lord and just spending all of the money that comes into our household and not even being conscious of the kingdom of God or the local church at all. So I think that, that we have a portion of our money that we say, yes, I, I am in agreement with my father Abraham on this one, and I will bring the tithe into the house. So I think that it's a reasonable place for me to start as a Christian. Uh, I encourage even new believers to, uh, to do that. Uh, sometimes people say, well, I have so many bills. Begin to put God first and ask him to help you to work those bills out, and he will do it. I mean, there are testimonies, thousands upon thousands of them. That where people can say, you know what, that's the place I was in. But when I started to honor God, man, he honored me in a big way. Yeah. Amen. And he'll do it every time. Amen. Uh, so I, I believe that that's, again, uh, my, my personal opinion is that I, I believe that's a reasonable place for a Christian to start. And that I may even be prompted to give above and beyond my tithe from time to time. Under Moses, the people were required to give tithes unto the Lord. But then there were times when God expected his people to bring special offerings before him. These were offerings that were to be done with a willing heart. Voluntarily, yet God expected. In other words, God expects us to sometimes voluntarily give above and beyond. Amen? And so he did it in the Old Testament under the law as well. So the, the next thing I want to talk about is the free will offering. We're talking about tithes and offering, the free will offering. An offering is not something that is mandatory. It is given willingly, a free will offering. Let's look at a free will offering under Moses. <clears throat> God instructed Moses to build a, a tabernacle, a physical structure where his presence would dwell where his people would come together and meet with him. See, people who are not coming together to meet with him today, they're out of the will of God. <laughs> Ooh, gee. Did I say that? I did say that because I believe that with all of my heart. God has always had his people come together in the larger gathering to worship him. Well, the Bible says wherever two or three gather together, he's in their midst. Yes, he's in our midst wherever two or three of us gather together in his name. But that does not constitute the local church. I got news for you. There doesn't have to be two or three people together to have Jesus in my midst. He's with me all by myself. And any one of us as Christians can go anywhere we want and Christ is with us. And his spirit dwells with us. But then he says, two or three come together, I am in their midst. What's that mean? There's a, there's a special anointing and presence and manifestation of Christ among us by his Holy Spirit when we come together and we worship him. And yes, that he, he specifically said, whether there be two or three gathered together in my name, I will be in their midst. Amen. But that's not to negate the corporate gathering of the local churches to get together to worship the Lord. All of those, all of those letters that we read uh, in, in the New Testament, except for those that are specifically written to a particular person for an individual 
exhortation or something like that, but most all of those letters that we read were written to either churches or leaders and pastors of churches. Churches! So it was the will of God that, that his people came together to worship him. So, so up until this time that we're speaking of right now, they didn't have a place to gather. So God says, I want you, Moses, to build a tabernacle and I will dwell in that place and I will meet with my people when they come into that place. Amen. So it was a physical structure where his presence was, was known, <clears throat> where his people could come together and meet with him. So in Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 through 8, and the Lord gives the instruction here. And, and keep in mind, now we're talking about a free will offering, a, voluntarily, a voluntary offering. But one that I believe is clear that God expected that. Now there's a difference between him expecting his people to do it and him demanding that they do it. This here, we'll see, it was a free will offering. But the people's hearts were for it. Amen. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. You shall take of my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins, dyed red and badger skins, and shittim wood, oil for the lamp, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for sweet incense, onyx stones, and the stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Amen. It was a willing offering that he expected them to bring. In other words, God wanted this tabernacle to be built, right? How was it going to be built without these materials? And how were these materials going to come unless the people willingly, voluntarily brought them? And so that was, that was what Moses said to them that day. Now, whereas the, the tithe prior to this was to support the ministers, this offering was for a building project. Wow! They had building projects back in the Old Testament. Imagine that. <clears throat> this tabernacle was only a temporary structure. Even though it was a structure, it was only a temporary structure. There was also a free will offering under David. And this time, it was for a more permanent structure. Once Jerusalem was established as the city of God's people, it was his will that they built him a temple. And David couldn't build the temple because he was a man of war and because he had, he had uh, sinned against the Lord. And so the Lord said, you know what? That's a good idea, but I'm a, I want your son Solomon to build me that temple. But David began to pull the materials together even before he died so that Solomon could go ahead with the building project. Amen. And I read part of this to you last week, I think, uh, but we're going to go there. First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 1 through 3, and this is David now, 
And this is another free will offering. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God has chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Amen. This church building right here that we're in right now is not for man. It's for the Lord God. Amen. Verse 2, it says, Now I have prepared with all my might, this is David himself, with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for the things that be of gold, and the silver, the things of silver, and the brass for the things of brass, and the iron for the things of iron, the wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones, and of divers colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection, look at that, David set his affection on, on this. He said, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the, the holy house. Then it lists the tangible gifts that David offered. And I won't read all of those, but let's... Jump down to verse 6. Then the chief of the fathers and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly. There it is again. Willingly. Go to the 8th verse. And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. When the people rejoiced, then, excuse me, then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Amen. It's a time of rejoicing. Amen. Free will offerings give us a reason to rejoice. Amen. Uh, we are able to accomplish things when we do something like that. Look what they accomplished in, 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 the, uh, in the wilderness. They built a tabernacle for God, albeit it was a movable tabernacle, but it was something tangible. It was a place wherever that thing was, that's where they met with God. And it was only for a temporary season until David came along and built that temple in the center of the city of Jerusalem. Amen. And so that was the place. But they all, both of those were built with free will offerings. So it was a time of rejoicing. I don't know about you, but I rejoice whenever we bring such offerings before the Lord in this place right here, this little congregation right here. And some of us, you know, we know that the church many times today, um, I, I talk to many pastors, they say the same thing, seems to be a revolving door in churches. Some people come for a while, they stay for a little while, and then they're gone. And, and then the congregation is always shifting. But this has been a pretty small congregation for, for many years. Amen. And... Uh, We've been able to accomplish a lot of things. God bless you who have planted your feet in and you've been here for a long time and you've seen some of these very things that I'm going to mention right now. And you've been able to be a part of it. Through free will offerings. And this is what the 10% offering is this morning. It's a free will offering. You've heard us when we've announced it here. We're asking people to please join in on this. We cannot do this by ourselves. We cannot do this without your help. And if everyone in this church would do this, it can happen. 
And so we encourage people to do it. It's not a demand. It's not something that I'm going to come to your house and, and say, hey, where was your 110% offering? I'm not going to do that. So it's a free will offering. And we have accomplished some pretty awesome things for God's kingdom right here in this place. We've purchased our parking lot for $225,000. That's huge. That was huge. Even prior to that, we had to, we had to buy this little lot right behind the church. It, it belonged to the city, and they condemned a house there. Nobody's ever going to build anything on it. It was of use to no one. But we ended up paying $20,000 to the city just for that little bitty lot, that little piece of grass behind this uh, church. And then the, the large lot we had to purchase for $225,000. Amen. And God was with us. And we made an agreement to do that within five years. It took us six. And we had to go to the man and say, hey, we're kind of, he said, no problem. I like the interest. Keep on going. You know? And so he gave us another year. And we, we took care of it in six years. Amen. We have built a church in India complete church. <clears throat> we have helped to purchase a track chair for uh, a wounded warrior. Multiple amputees have these track chairs that they're able to take their kids out fishing, hunting. It, it goes over rough terrain. It's not just a wheelchair. And they cost about 16 grand. And we've been able to help purchase one of those through our 110% Sundays. The, the first one that we did was for that $225,000, but then we kept doing it year after year for various causes. Amen. Uh, we have helped to build a Bible college in South Africa. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, when, when we read about these guys bringing gold and silver and different things like that, I remember when our... Uh, our missionary from South Africa was here with us during a, a month that we had of missions, and uh, we were receiving an offering for him, and they had a, a breakdown of, you could purchase a window for this amount, you could purchase a door for this amount, you could purchase this, and they put together all of these different uh, prices that you could purchase this much of the thing. And then as he added all of that up, I said, hey, church, I said, I think we can do one whole room and, and just, you know, dedicate it to Cornerstone Family Worship Center. And uh, everybody was in agreement with that. And so we, we prayed, and I just said, give the, just give the best that you can give. And as I was praying, and he was standing next to me, and the pulpit was up there, and, and we were praying, and as we were, uh, Pastor Mary took off a gold bracelet that the church had given her a couple years before that, or the year before that, for a Christmas present. She was a Christian ed director at that time, and they blessed her with that. I think it was probably worth about 200 bucks maybe or something. I'm not really sure. Don't quote me on that one. But it, but it was a nice piece of gold. And as I was praying, she got up from her seat, and she came up there, and she laid that on the pulpit. And as I said amen and looked up, I saw her walking away with her hand, uh, you know, coming away from the pulpit. And I looked down, and I see her bracelet there. And, I, you know, I broke down because it touched me. My wife is not a worshiper of jewelry but she likes it <laughs> and I know how much she likes it 
And when she laid that down there, it touched my heart, man. And I, and I just, I, I got tearful. And so did he. And I said, wow. I said, my, my wife just gave her a bracelet. We went on and we received the uh, rest of the offering. We were able to purchase a room from the generosity of this church for that Bible college in South Africa. Amen. And uh, the, the story goes on from there, but it, it, uh, I don't want to get into all of that today. But just when we're touched and when we're moved to give, we should respond to that and not feel like we're being manipulated, but that, you know what, I can do this. I remember reading about the faith promise uh, where that started was with Oswald Smith in Canada, People's Church. It was a huge church, missions church. He wanted to be a missionary, and he tried to go out on the mission field several times, but he'd always get sick. And he had this desire for missions, but he couldn't do it himself. So he said, well, if I can't do it, then I'll send missionaries. And so he built a huge missions-giving church. And the way that they did it was through a faith promise. People would make a promise at the beginning of the year and say, if God blesses me with an extra $10,000 this year, I will give it unto the Lord. And people would have testimonies of just weird stuff happening in their life throughout the year. But then they would remember, I made a faith promise. That's God's money. I can't touch that. I'm bringing that in. And so some guy came up, and he got all excited about that, and he came up to the pastor after one of those uh, missions uh, sermons, and he said, Pastor... He says, I'm committing to $40,000 this year in my faith promise. And he says, brother, he says, you know, he says, we want to do something within reason, you know, uh, stretch yourself, that's good, but $40,000. He says, no, 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 no. He says, I'm retired. He says, I'm a construction worker. I'm retired. I'm going to go back to work this year, and I'm just going to work for a whole year, and I'm going to, that's going to be my offering to the Lord. And if the Lord blesses me with that $40,000 this year, I'm going to give it. And, you know, it's, it's, move, it's people being moved upon in their heart to do things like that that make things happen. And so uh, then there was just a lot of hard work and free will offerings that our women just raised $20,000 for Grace Centers of Hope in the last month there. $20,000, that's huge, church. And that is taking families off of the street, children off of the street, junkies and prostitutes off of the street, putting them in a two-year program and establishing them in a home of their own, on their own two feet, working at a job. Nobody can clean up the streets of our cities like Jesus. I tell you, they got all kinds of government programs, but nobody can clean up the streets of our cities like Jesus can. What's going on in San Francisco and some of these other uh, cities where these people are just laying on the sidewalk and nobody's doing a thing about it? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who can do more than anything else, and that's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm glad that we, uh, we served some homeless people. We, we became a part of another network that we didn't realize was out there until just the last couple of years, and we decided, you know what, this church can do that. We've got the facilities here. You know, we don't have to be uh, freaking out and, and afraid to take some people in who are homeless. And we did that this year successfully, and it went like a well-oiled machine from the beginning to the end of it. Today, we bring a free will offering to make some needed repairs on our building. How many of you know that there are scriptures that tell, tell us that we can't let the house of the Lord just crumble? Amen. 
uh, Haggai rebuked the people in, in Nehemiah and Ezra's day when they were going back to rebuild the temple that was destroyed under Nebuchadnezzar. And they went back to rebuild. They laid the foundation and they got things started. And then through uh, opposition from people who were enemies around them, talking mean stuff and trash to them, they backed off and they, they let the building program go. And Haggai and Zechariah had to come on the scene and give them a word from the Lord and said, rise up and start building again. Is this the time for you to build your houses and make your houses look all pretty and nice and let the house of God go to pot? No way. He says, rise up and build. And it was an encouragement to them. They got back into the program and they built and they finished building the temple and putting the wall around the city and everything else. Amen. So we're bringing that free will offering today to repair some things around our house. Amen. God's house. Amen. <clears throat> and I believe that God would have us to uh, take care of this old building. And it is an old building. And a lot of times people come in from the outside and they look around and they go, wow, you guys really take pretty good care of a, an older building. They're quite surprised. But really, uh, there are a lot of things around here that need fixing up. Amen. We got a couple of things, a couple of ticket items that are coming up uh, as far as our air conditioners are concerned and, and things like that. Uh, so we need to take care of God's house. Amen. And in just a few minutes, we're going to bring our offerings to this altar. So hopefully you have come uh, prepared and uh, you've prayed and prepared to bring a substantial offering before the Lord. This was not a sermon uh, uh, aimed at manipulating you to do anything you do not want to do. This is to be a voluntary, willingly, from the heart type of an offering. Amen. And some have already mentioned to me that they would have to do it in pieces, and that's okay. <clears throat> but hopefully you're planning... Uh, to bring today an offering before the Lord. And that uh, when it is all said and done, we will have, once again, a cause to rejoice. Amen? We'll be able to say, look what the Lord has done. Great blessings come to those who generously give. And, 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 I, and I say that without a hesitation. I'm not talking about a dollar for this to get 10000 I don't do that stuff. But I just make a blanket statement because Jesus said, let not your left hand know what your right hand's doing when you give. I make a blanket statement this way, that if you are generous, you, me, whoever, if we are generous with God, he will certainly be generous with his blessings upon us. Amen. And I say that without any hesitation whatsoever. And I want to close with one more scripture. And uh, if the kids are coming back in, you can go ahead and get them at this point in time. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. We're going to read that together. <clears throat> but the Corinthians, the, the different churches during Paul's day in the early church, they helped each other. They gave to other ministry causes outside of their own little groups. And when I say their own little groups, I'm talking about their local assemblies of believers. Amen. And they gave in big ways and gave with hearts of generosity uh, to, uh, to others to help them in their ministries. So this is what Paul says there. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. 
reaping, sowing and reaping. He's talking simply about sowing and reaping. And he's talking about sowing and reaping material goods, money, if you will. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You know what that's saying? God's not just blessing you and me just to bless us. But he blesses us to make us a blessing. And if we'll just be the conduit that God wants us to be. In other words, he can flow his blessings into us because he knows that we can be trusted to bring those blessings into the earth in his name to bless others and to do the works of Christ in the earth in his name. Amen. That's why we give willingly. That's why we give cheerfully. Amen.